Spiritual warfare, what is it exactly? Often, we recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, but it can be unclear how the enemy attacks or even how we gain victory. In this series, Pastor John Metter of Cross City Church shares insights into how best to prepare for and defeat the enemy. It's a war, but there is a clear winner. This is John Metter, and we welcome you back to our Life is War podcast. It's all about spiritual warfare, and we've walked through a few things so far in our two episodes that we've done before now. This is episode number three, and uh, in this episode, we're going to get into the armor. So if life is war, how prepared are we to do battle? Well, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, talks about the... Uh, the soldier, the soldier who is a Christian, who is standing firm against all the schemes of the wicked one. Our last podcast, we identified who the wicked one actually was, and we identified how he worked, where we talked about the rulers, the powers, the world forces of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So you kind of have an idea that you are surrounded by spiritual terrorists who are looking to Uh, trip you up, hurt you, annihilate you, cause you to doubt, cause you to wonder about what God wants of your life every single day. Every single day, spiritual forces of darkness work against you. But the good news is that we've been given some incredible armor to wear. And uh, as we walk through this armor piece by piece, uh, I want you to see the imagery that Paul was conveying to Christians that we've looked at and thought about for 2,000 years In my office, I have uh, a whole set of Roman centurion armor, and it consists of all the pieces that we'll be describing today, and it was was made as a reproductive piece, uh, founded in a mall uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I I keep it set up in my office. Sometimes people walk in and they see that uh, that armor uh, sitting on a mannequin of sorts, and, and they think, wow, that's a different look for an office, but I'm never... I'm never uh, forgetting that I'm in a spiritual war when I see them. And I see those pieces of weaponry and I see the pieces of armor, and I think I need to be literally equipped for whatever battle I'm going to be doing today. Uh, and I'm reminded by that, that spiritual armor and that uh, centurion's armor. So Paul, of course, was in prison a lot, and uh, he was, of course, a Roman citizen. I think you know that, and I think you also realize that uh, while he was in prison, he was on a first-name basis with many of those Roman centurions and prison guards, and they all wore the same, exactly the same armor. And uh, when he lists the pieces of the armor of God and likens them uh, to the centurion's armor, uh, he does this with great familiarity. I doubt that Paul owned a set, but I know that he saw it every single day. The Roman army was uh, meticulously prepared for battle. They were the greatest war machine of their era. And that's why Rome conquered so much during those days, um, because they just knew how to fight. So it, it is, it's not without purpose that we have that mental image of armor. And so today I'm going to go through three of those pieces, and uh, the next episode we'll do three more. And uh, then finally I'll cap it off with the really crowning part of the armor of God. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we're told to stand firm, therefore, And then immediately Paul gets into the pieces of this armor. He says, Stand therefore, 
Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Now, the, the word girded refers to a belt, a belt of truth that went around the abdomen. And literally, the Roman soldier had a belt, a leather belt, that held all the pieces of his armor together. This is uh, where his sword would be when he didn't have it in his hand. Uh, this held the breastplate of righteousness that we'll talk about, the breastplate of the, arm, of the soldier. It was held in place there. Um, and it held his skirt, which we'll talk about the skirt in just a few moments. But first of all, that, that belt did those two things. It held the pieces together. It was a centerpiece of all of his armor. So every soldier had this belt that Paul likens to a belt of truth. Uh, the second thing this belt did was it helped uh, the soldier uh, gird up um, his loins, so to speak, by taking the skirt that he had. Often Roman soldiers would wear, wear skirts of different lengths that would cover what they had under that skirt. And uh, you would need to pick that skirt up, the length of that skirt, and tuck it into this loin belt uh, so that they could run unimpeded. They could run without getting tripped up. Uh, in that day and time, they wore robes and they wore skirts. And so it wasn't a feminine skirt uh, like some uh, do today. It was a long robe that protected them from the elements. But when it was time to run, they girded it up. They tucked it into that belt. So this belt of truth has a very vivid imagery here. And the imagery is that, that there be no interference with their movement. Now, originally, in the original language, Paul says, having guarded up your loins in truth. There's no definite article there. In other words, not guarding up your loins in the truth, but, but, but not specifically the truth of God's word as in doctrinal truth, but as in truth as opposed to deception. Guard up your loins with truth because you're going to do battle with lies. That's what the enemy brings. He brings lies. So there's no definite article talking about truth in general, or we might say talking about light as opposed to darkness. And this truth would be the opposite of hypocrisy, the opposite of self-deception. And I have this definition of this loin of truth, this belt of truth, and I, I like to say that the belt of truth is your integrity in Christ, your integrity in Christ. This is the practical side of this imagery that Paul gives us. Now think about what integrity is. It's all about how I live. It has to do with being an honest-to-God follower of Christ. It, it has to do with being real, being the same person in public as I am in private. It, it means a consistency of life. Truth is, if we let one area of dishonesty stay in our life, if we don't live the life of truth as a whole, we set the stage for a huge failure. This is a chink in our armor. Uh, I said in our last episode that holiness is the one word that describes all of the pieces of the armor of God once they are on us. Living in holiness means there are no chinks in our armor. And if we have dishonesty, for example, to use that example, uh, then we give Satan an opportunity. Now, Satan knows a lie. He is a liar. He's the father of all lies. And if we are of the truth, if we are people of the truth, if we're belting on that belt of truth, then there's no room for dishonesty in our lives or our mouths. Now, sometimes we just let lies exist in our lives, and that's what I want to encourage you to get rid of. Uh, sometimes we say things like, well, what I'm doing hurts no one but me. 
Sometimes we say, well, God gave me these desires, so I'm going to just give in to them. Um, I've heard actual Christians say, well, God didn't convict me about that particular thing, so I'm not going to try to get that out of my life. Or I've heard others say, you know, I'm not so bad. I see others in comparison to myself with much worse problems and sins in their life. But all lives that we have and allow in our lives are ultimately to justify our compromising behavior. Basically, we're saying, I don't really want to be fully committed to Jesus Christ, so I'm going to look at it this way. I'm going to look at this habit this way or this this uh, pattern this way. But um, the truth is you are opening the door to the enemy. It's like allowing a traitor to come into your own life. If I cannot speak truth to myself, I can't live truth out. And if I can't live truth out, then I'm going to be compromised. But when I speak truth, I, I don't blame others. I take responsibility. When I speak truth, I don't provide excuses. When I speak truth, uh, I'll allow no self-deception in my life. So this belt of truth is really important as we introduce this, and we're going to bring it back later on in other episodes because it becomes very practical to us. But first of all, the belt of truth is living in truth. It's really about your integrity that's in Christ. Live with utmost integrity. Demand integrity of yourselves. And in the power of Christ, you can live a non-hypocritical life full of truth and not contradictions. So Paul moves from there, from saying, having guarded your loins with truth to, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's the second piece, the breastplate. It's of utmost importance because it protects the vital organs in a Roman soldier's life. Um, I read a, a breastplate story uh, years ago, uh, adapted from General Charles C. Krulak. He spoke it in January of 2000. He was the commandant of the Marine Corps at the time. And he, he gives this interesting uh, analogy of the breastplate of the Roman soldier. He says, during the time of the 12 Caesars, the Roman army would conduct morning inspections. And as the inspecting centurion would come out in front of each legionnaire, or soldier, the soldier would strike with his right fist the armor breastplate that covered his heart, and the armor had to be strongest there to protect his heart from the sword thrust and the arrow strikes. And as the soldier struck his armor, he would shout out, Integritus, which in Latin means wholeness or completeness. And the sound of him hitting his fist on that breastplate, along with that word, was an indicator that he was checking the rolls, he was checking the boxes, I'm ready for battle. The inspecting general would listen closely for the affirmation in the ring that well-kept armor would give off, and once he was satisfied that the armor was sound and that the soldier next to it was protected, he would move on to the next man. And he would do that uh, throughout his army. Don't know how long that took. But he goes on and says the elite soldiers would receive the absolute best armor, and the armor didn't need to be tested, but instead, as they struck their breastplate, they would shout, Hail Caesar, to signify that their heart belonged to the imperial personage, to Caesar, not to their unit, not to an institution or a code. They armed themselves to serve the cause of one man, that would be Julius Caesar. But we arm ourselves to serve the cause of a single man who is Jesus Christ. Now, I love that little story because it reminds me of the seriousness of the battle and it reminds me of the importance of that breastplate. So what is this breastplate? What is the Christian's breastplate? Well, righteousness is the word that's used to refer to who we are positionally in Christ. 
we're made righteous by him on the cross, but we're also how we're to live practically. We're to live righteousness out practically. So the breastplate of righteousness is your identity in Christ, who you are in Christ. And it really signals your allegiance. It's about who I am. Ephesians chapter 1 is great for this. It just talks about who we are in Christ. And, and also, I want to remind you that when Satan accuses us, he's accusing us of not being someone who belongs to Christ, who is bought and purchased by Christ, someone who is loved by Christ, forgiven by Christ. Satan wants us to think we're condemned by Christ. Um, he wants us to promote us as being despicable, a loser, no good, a failure, a filthy sinner. And it's important for us to say, yes, that may all have been true, but do you notice the blood of Jesus that's all over me, which makes me righteous? It's really important that we have that breastplate of righteousness and our understanding of who we are in Jesus Christ. It's really, really a big deal. And in putting on the breastplate of righteousness, we're reminded of who we are in Christ and who we need to be loyal to. Just like the Roman soldier back in the day said, Hail Caesar, we need to be saying, Hail Jesus Christ. I live for him. I'm loyal to him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to obey him. Righteous living is based on righteous standing. Once Jesus makes me righteous, then the rest of my days are lived in his love, his power, his grace, and helping me actually become righteous. Now, I'll never, I'll never be righteous like Jesus in the sense of perfection, but I'll be righteous like him in the sense of, of momentum and movement. I'm moving towards his righteousness in a practical Way. I'm not trying to be righteous and earn God's approval, but I'm living righteously because that's who I am now. Very, very different motivation. Now, I would make note at this point when we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness that most of the problems that we deal with today in our world and most of our emotional, relational issues we have come because of a lack of personal holiness or a lack of personal identity or the lack of personal pursuit for righteousness. And we only outrun those problems when we have a daily walk with God. And again, I know I've said this, but I'm going to come back to it over and over. Just like the Roman soldier couldn't be a good soldier without daily training, neither can you be a good soldier in Christ without daily time with your commander-in-chief. I urge you strongly to take a little bit of time every single day and spend time with Christ, especially in this day and time, which happens from the moment you wake up then you are being bombarded with information, most of it having nothing to do with truth and everything to do with lies. In fact, a lot of what we see and are bombarded with day in and day out happen to be the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, the influence of evil and the influence of satanic deception just washing over us like that tsunami and we're called to stand firm. So have a daily walk with God. Anchor yourself in that. Righteous living, by the way, protects us like nothing else does in the spiritual war. Just like the word holiness is used to describe that no chink in the armor mentality. So is righteous living the same way. So the belt of truth is the first piece. The second piece is the breastplate of righteousness, which we've just talked about. The third piece of armor is what I call the shoes of the gospel or uh, the, the, the shotting of the feet. It says this in verse 15, and having your Having and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So he says, let me say it all in one line. Then firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness 
and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So again, we're going to look at this imagery. These are shoes. Uh, now, there are varieties of shoes that we use day in and day out. don't know how many pairs of shoes you have in your closet, but I have a number of them. I have certain kinds of shoes for activities, for running. for I've got a special pair of shoes for bicycling um, that have a certain kind of cleats on them. Uh, I, have, I actually have some softball shoes, uh, some cleats that I've used to play softball. I've got dress shoes. I've got casual shoes. I've got all kinds of shoes. I've even got a, shoe, a set of shoes for mowing my lawn. Uh, I've got it all. But the specificity of those shoes uh, helped me know something about these shoes in the Roman centurion's armor. So he's got shoes that consist of both greaves, which are very uncomfortable, and the foot covering, uh, which was made of leather, over spikes extending below the soles. So think of soles, spikes coming through those soles. Think of a leather covering on top of that that covered his feet, gave him a little bit of warmth, and then the greaves that went all the way up uh, to his knees almost and covered his shins. And when he put these shoes on, these glorified sandals is the best way I can say it, made of leather, kind of open for the air to move in and out, and at the same time covering them. The protection for his shins, the spikes through the soles helped keep the soldier in place. Remember, he had to stand firm, and he had to keep walking forward, sometimes uphill, sometimes in the mud, sometimes in the plain, plain dirt. But he was always being pushed against by the enemy, so he had to stand firm. So all this is a picture of spiritual armor as well. Now, what do the gospel shoes possibly represent to the Christian? Well, gospel shoes refer to your purpose in Christ your purpose in Christ. If the belt of truth is your integrity in Christ, if the breastplate of righteousness is your identity in Christ, then the shoes of the gospel are your purpose in Christ. This answers the question, why do I exist? Why am I standing here? It's a reminder that you have a greater purpose in life than yourself. You march for Jesus Christ in God's army. You're not just taking land, you're taking lives. It's really important for us to realize that because otherwise, if we don't remember our purpose in Christ, we end up living for ourselves and there's no need to stand firm. We don't have to have these uncomfortable shoes on with spikes coming out at the bottom and, and uh, this, uh, this idea of greaves up the shins. We don't have to have any of that if we have no purpose in life, if we're not going to be in war. We might as well, well use our little casual lawn mowing shoes if that's all it is. But this is battle. This is war. We need to have a grip. We need to be able to stand firm. We need to protect our feet and our, our, our legs from the attacks of the enemy because we have purpose. And this purpose keeps me walking. It keeps my legs pumping. And when the devil gets in the way, it helps me trample him and keep moving forward with the gospel. Spiritual warfare is not an end in itself. Spiritual warfare has as its goal to keep you from progressing with your purpose in life, which has to do with the gospel. So you're never more in God's will or God's protection than when you're sharing good news of the gospel of peace. Uh, sometimes that means just living life out in a way that brings honor and glory to Christ, resisting temptation, doing good, being kind, doing all the things that God calls of us to do in terms of our lifestyle and our manner, being good neighbors, loving people in the name of Christ, and other times it means actually opening our mouths and verbalizing 
the good news of the gospel, which is very important. Uh, at other times, it means being in the church, the body of Christ, moving in ways of ministry, helping people, encouraging people, uh, loving on people in a way the world can't do. And you have to be spiritually equipped to do that. You have to have your armor on. Otherwise, you'll give up and you won't keep marching forward. You know, I've got to tell you that it's so refreshing to think about this armor and to think about the fact that we're one in a million, million soldiers who serve the cause of Christ. And uh, we have the right weapons. We have the right armor. Uh, we have the right purpose in life. And all this serves for Christ to use us in this world. And someday we'll see the result of all these battles and we'll see the result of the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. But as we begin looking at this armor, keep in mind the importance of the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And again, I'm going to bring these up later in another episode of the podcast in very, very practical ways. But hopefully you're getting some mental imagery of the enemy, uh, of the armor we have, and, and how we begin to function in that. Stay tuned for the next episode of this podcast, and it will be on the other pieces of the armor. But in the meantime, stand firm. Thanks for joining us. This is John Metter. Hope you'll continue to stay with us.